following program contains dangerous levels of Minnesota sports optimism. This is a reminder that positivity of this kind has never come to fruition unless Kirby Puckett or Maya Moore was involved. Pod Level Midnight is not responsible for physical, emotional, mental, or financial damage caused by believing in Minnesota sports teams. Listener discretion is advised. Here it's your school level midnight host Josiah and Ryan. We're here for an emergency podcast on the trade deadline. It's Tuesday night. Quasi uh, has pushed his chips to the table and has said we're going in on this six and one season. He trades for the rare trade trade deadline um, trade that actually happens. Um, there were a lot today, but one of the biggest ones was our Minnesota Vikings acquiring T.J. Hawkinson from within the division, big tight end um, in his fourth season out of Iowa. Uh, the Vikings give up a second and a third round pick in the next two drafts, but also get a fourth round back and potentially another fourth back. So I know, Ryan, we were looking at a bunch of different names, a bunch of different options. We talked about it on Sunday as far as trying to find another option in this receiving game, whether a wide receiver or a tight end. And I didn't even think of TJ Hawkinson until I saw the trade come through on Twitter. So what was your reaction and what were you kind of thinking compared to those other options that we had reported? I would say I'm much happier with um, Hawkinson as an option than, than the options we discussed, um, specifically Gesicki from Miami. Um, we had talked about that a little bit as, as a tight end upgrade, but um, I honestly was shocked that TJ was available or, or even willing to be moved. He's 25 years old, and it, it just seems like it does take tight ends a little bit longer to come along in the NFL than potentially a wide receiver or, or different um, skill position. So um, he's just getting into his fourth year and it seems like a young piece you could build around. He, I don't know if he's made multiple pro bowls, but at least one. And um, he seems just like an all around solid inline tight end. Yeah. I think he's a, he's a stud when he's been healthy, he's been really good over his first four seasons and I'd say he's right on that second tier. He's not he's not Kelsey or Mark Andrews or, you know, Kittle or someone like that, but I think he's on that second tier anywhere from, you know, maybe the fifth to the eighth best tight end, at least in the receiving game um, in the league. So I think it's a huge upgrade. And we, you know, we were speculating about maybe a receiver or something like that to, you know, take the passing game to another level. But I think this is the perfect solution in that, you know, you you still think you've got three receivers, maybe four that you want to give opportunities to, but tight end was a major weak spot on this offense throughout the season so far. And then you lose your number one tight end Irv. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily the number one reason for this trade. I think they could have used the upgrade either way, but this is the perfect solution in that you upgrade that weak position, but you also, I think find a solution for the, some of the passing game options that we've been, been lacking with, with a guy that can um, stretch the field as well as get, like yards after the catch too. Imagine those, all those little drags that we've seen to to Johnny Munter, whoever else. First of all, Hawkins is going to catch it, and second of all, he's probably going to get more yards down the field after he does. So, not to mention his, um, you know, bread and butter, which is you know going up the seam and being being big and um, getting a lot of catches. So, 
I think it's a a major upgrade for this offense and will also potentially free up, you know, those receivers who we think, you know, we still want to give opportunities to. And now you do that without kind of cannibalizing the wide receiver room, but you do it by adding a game changing tight end. So I, I am pretty thrilled, honestly, I didn't expect something this, this good. So we need the disclaimer on the podcast today. That's for sure. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty optimistic. I had called for the disclaimer on Twitter before noon today, so um, I was very prepared. But the part that really excites me is the yards after catch. Um, If you're taking a look at the NFL this year, Justin Jefferson is number three behind two running backs, Austin Eckler and Christian McCaffrey. And so he is is a yak monster. And then if you're looking at tight ends, um, you've got Dallas Goddard from Philly. And then I believe it's Hawkinson right after him. Um, And Hawkinson is, it looks like tied for 18th in the league when including running backs, wide receivers, everybody. So um, I think all of those, you know, there was a couple, couple times this week that, you know, we dumped it down to Irv. He's got eight yards to get, has to make one guy miss. Um, I don't know if Hawkinson will be able to do that, but from what I've seen and what the, the stats say, um, I think he's got a better shot at 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 least what we've seen from Irv. Yeah, he's. I'm pretty comfortable saying that he is better than the best case scenario we would have had with Irv had he become, you know, what we hoped he'd be. And you know, hopefully he can get healthy and maybe he's still got got a place on this team moving forward. But what are your thoughts on kind of, you know, you're here at six and one. We talked a little bit about, you know, at the deadline, do you want to make a make a move, go quote unquote all in in a certain way or at least be aggressive about, you know, in some ways, it's not mortgaging the future. I mean, it's a second round pick and you get picks back to, I was shocked that we got a fourth back and it's really only that second round pick, which hopefully will be a pretty high one. Um, But how do you feel, I guess, just about, you know, heading into the season, we were like, Quasi is a rebuild guy. We thought maybe the more of the Ryan Poles approach, which has been uh, pretty ugly in Chicago so far and, (laughs) you know, shipping your best players out. But to seize this opportunity at six and one and say, you know, we've got a window here. It may not be our, our main window, but we've got something here. Let's, let's, you know, make the most of it. I think, I think Quasey has done a really good job of, you know, sliding his chips to the center of the table while also keeping a foot in both pools. The, the part that really excites me about this move is he's 25 and, you know, I would say, Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson are the two pieces you're kind of really going to build around for the long term on the offensive side of the ball. We were just saying on Sunday, we said we've only got one that will be here maybe two, three years from now, one weapon that we feel like you can build around. I agree. I think Hawkinson is that guy and five, six, seven years of, of a career here in Minnesota that you can build around. Right. And the let's say he doesn't pan out, you know, for, for whatever reason, he's under team control for this year and next year, which coincides with, with Kirk's contract coincides with, I think the Darius Smith. So Quasey has kept the door open for a, a full on rebuild. Now I don't think you give up a second round pick for a year and a half rental. Um, so I don't think that's, that's the plan, but should you need a plan B Quasey has left that door open. But I think now you have two, two real weapons you can build around, um, I mean, if you look at, not to compare ourselves to the Chiefs, because they obviously have Mahomes as a major weapon, but um, a lot of this 
sustained success they had. They had Tyreek Hill and fill in the blank wide receiver two, and then they had Travis Kelsey at tight end. And those were, I'd say, their main weapons other than the quarterback. So I think this is a, a recipe for success that's been proven in the league that you can make this work. Um, and the fact that you can keep Hawkinson on the field for all three downs and, and really get a 90% majority of snaps from your tight end, who is also a weapon, is, is a big thing. Yeah. And I think here's the thing about the NFL, you know, every year there's what half or more of the playoff teams are different. It's supposed to be the parody league. Um, injuries obviously are a major factor. And I think this is not, you know, this is the first six and one start since 2009. Like this is not the 2009 team. This is not the 2017 team. I don't think for the Vikings roster wise and overall talent wise, but the league as a whole may not be, you know, that either, right. As far as, what you're competing with, especially in the division and especially in the conference. So when you look around and you say we're comfortably in second place in the conference and we've had, you know, call it luck, call it um, good fortune, call it good vibes and, you know, positive self-talk, whatever it is, we're, you know, we're in, we have this opportunity here to, you know, it's not going all in like the Rams maybe and selling every first round pick, but let's see what could happen this season because, I mean, I'm not predicting a Super Bowl or something, but it's not impossible. Like it's, I mean, again, I don't think it's the best Vikings team we've seen that maybe has fallen short, but it may be the best opportunity that they've had in a long time. You could have a better team two, three years from now, but the division's better and the conference is better, right? So when you've got an opportunity like this, I think being willing to go for it is is really commendable by Quasi. And I think he's been adaptable throughout, like as far as wanting to, see what happens and, and adjust based on new information, which being six and one is some pretty significant new information for us. Right. I think um, there's the old adage that, you know, if you're a wild card team, you, you got two ways of looking at, you know, chip chair and a chance you get into the playoffs, you get on a, a hot run. The, the way this Vikings team is constructed, or at least the last couple of years um, under Zimmer it kind of felt like we'd have to get hot on a run and, you know, come through the wild card with the Packers being what they were. Now on the flip side of that, you also have, you know, if you're a wild card team year after year, you're kind of in purgatory. You don't have a high enough pick to really make a difference. Um, but the odds of winning three playoff games on the road um, against the, the top of your conference are, are very slim. So I think Quasey's looking at it in that aspect as, you know, we may not be as good as we want this team to be to make our Super Bowl run, but we have a very good chance at a number two seed and, and potentially if you can win those games, two home playoff games before you have to go on the road. And maybe and three, you know, who knows? Like it's possible that you could host the NFC, you know, again, the disclaimer, right? Like, but I've been thinking <laughs> about, I mean, you look at stuff, teams losing the divisional round, right? Like if you're the two seed, you've got, every good every bit as much of a chance at making the Super Bowl as anyone yeah and so um I took a look at 538 today and this didn't update with with the Hawkinson mood but the Vikings are 94 percent to to win the division so that's at least one home playoff game um so I think that's just what Quasi is looking at is you know the opportunity that, that has presented itself around the NFL specifically the NFC and the NFC North 
it was too good to pass up. And especially yeah. if, I mean, I don't, I really don't think this is an overpay when you look at where mm-hmm. the Vikings potentially are picking in 2023, should this work out and where the lions are projecting to pick, you know, that, that second really ends up looking like a third and that fourth is right at the beginning of the round. So how much did you actually give up? Yeah. Right. And, you know, if he's a solution long-term, even if you do a soft rebuild in the middle of that, you know, he's 25, right? Like there's, you can turn around quick in the NFL. So I don't think that it's like you have to sell everything two years from now, if, or a year and a half from now, if you move on from Kirk or either. Right. So, but we're not at that point right now, right now we're pure all in like Quasi says, and he's still, yeah. he, he's still younger than the bears second round pick this last year, Velas Jones. Oh, by a couple months. You'd rather have him than Claypool, right? Agreed. The only positive for Claypool is I think he has one more year of team control. Oh, sure, yeah. And you kind of have that choice um, with that fifth-year option that hasn't been picked up yet. But he has yet to show anything outside of Big Ben uh, being his quarterback, to to my knowledge, and I'm not up to date with the Claypool drama but um he's also going to a team that big ben is not the quarterback and it's not so i i, I don't know i the ryan poles is an enigma that i can't figure out <laughs> yeah well because you sent me that and i was like oh they must have sold so they have, you must have you know got rid of someone else a good player and no they're buying so interesting move over there about chicago but what do you think the role is for hawkinson here in the offense like i said i like that you you know, the, kind of the issue I had with if you do trade for a receiver is even if they've been a little bit disappointing, it's tough to say either Thielen or KJ take a step back and Rager, you're really not getting on the field now, right? Um, for maybe a marginal upgrade. So to to be able to slot someone in in a position that doesn't take those guys off the field uh, for the most part, I think is really exciting. But I do think he's that second option in the passing game moving forward, at least from a perspective of, who is the defense keying on, you know, he may not, he's not probably not going to be second in targets, but um, you know, who are your mismatches that you can really just let them go win. And if they're one-on-one, you know, you'll take that, take that chance as opposed to scheming open Johnny Munt or whoever else, even Irv, I feel like was getting schemed open. So, um, so I'm excited about that. I think he's right there, that second option um, and can potentially unlock something in this offense that we have not seen really in the Kirk era, maybe prime Kyle Rudolph, but, not like this yeah the the thing that you know going back to the yards after catch um i i read a stat and i don't think it was this week i think it was before the bye but the average yards of separation at the time of catch irv smith was leading the team so the the fact that he wasn't able to lead the team in yards after catch kind of you know he's leaving a little mm-hmm. bit of desire there so so you can still scheme tj hawkinson open and then let him do more with with what you give him but I think his role on this team is flexibility to be able to um, put the defense in conflict. So the, the, the team I like putting out there is, you know, Jefferson Thielen as your wide receivers, you've got Hawkinson, Delvin cook on the field. And then whether it's Irv Smith or, you know, you can still go three tight ends and that or three, excuse me, three wide receivers and stretch the field. But, you can put another tight end on the field and really force that defense to commit to stopping the run 
and then use TJ Hawkinson out of that and stretch the field where he's potentially, you know, going up the middle of the field with a linebacker on him. That's a, a matchup that Kirk should try to take advantage of. So I think it gives Kevin O'Connell a little more flexibility to, to make things harder on defense. I just think this is the type of guy that Kirk loves to have too, is a, you know, a big tight end that he can have as that safety valve and, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see if they how much they change some of what they're doing on offense. If it's, you know, the role they were carving out for Irv that he didn't quite step into, if it, you know, if they slot Hawkinson right in there, or if it's a little bit more going back to what he's done in his career with some of his um I just feel like he's an up the middle guy for the most part. But he can do I mean, he's he's really good. I think he can do a lot. And I I wouldn't reduce him to your tall red zone target or anything like that. I think throughout the passing game, he should be involved. And I just can't imagine for defenses, if you line, you know, Jefferson out wide and, and Hawkinson at, at tight end on the same side, like speaking of being put in conflict, like that safety, what are you, what are you doing? If you know, you got to make a choice there. Right. So, um, so that's exciting to think about um, just the way that I do think that he can command a little bit more, respect from the defense and maybe our other receivers have been getting to this point. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think it'll be great to, to watch this, his role grow. Um, it's obviously going to be drinking from a fire hose to try and learn the playbook and, and different things. So we may see more of Johnny Munt in these next couple of weeks than we have in the, in weeks past. But um, I think He's so, I'd say he's more, he's such a prototypical tight end that it should be a little more plug and play than, than another position. Yeah. And hopefully it's less kind of indication of, you know, run pass, whatever it is, which I think O'Connell tried to take advantage of and did with, with Munt at times where, you know, you see him on the field as opposed to Irv, you're thinking run and then he sneaks out right and scores or, you know, gets a opportunity. So I think maybe less of a, less of an indicator there um, for the defense. And like you said, three down guy. So very exciting. I think it's a great move um, and one that could potentially take this offense to, to another level. And I just think for the most part now, you really don't have any excuses on offense. We'll see how the guard situation plays out. But after that um, tight end, maybe has been a bit of a disappointment through the season so far. Maybe that's what is leading to, at times the, the passing game stagnating and, you know, if Justin gets taken out, what are you doing? So I think now you've got four options and then, you know, you've got some guys out of the backfield too, where there's no way that a defense should be able to slow down this passing offense as long as you're protecting Kirk. Yeah. I think protection is the big thing. Um, and Hawkinson, I think is, is at least a serviceable run blocker. Um, so you shouldn't see a drop off in, in Delvin's production. Um, he's at least serviceable to the point Irv was, um, at a, at a minimum. So I think it's great. I think the, the offense really does that this move really solidifies that the offense is the identity of this team. And we will go as far as this offense goes. And like you said, it's taking away any excuse that they have really. It's just now it's on the players to execute and Kevin O'Connell to, to put them in the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Before we go and we'll obviously I'm sure have a lot to say after the game on Sunday, depending on how things look, I would agree with you as far as don't expect 
you know, a hundred yards, eight catches, a hundred yards or something like that from, from TJ on Sunday. Um, but I think he'll be involved too. So who knows, who knows what that'll look like, but give it a couple of weeks to see how they, how they adjust here. But it's, it's very exciting. And I, I really like the move. What do you think just overall about the the trade within the division thing? It's kind of been a talking point. Obviously, Quasey did it in the draft and then is willing to do it today. I kind of think for the Lions, it's a little bit more of more of a sin than the Vikings in this case, because we're getting the player, you know, they're getting draft picks, right? So they're the ones that have to see TJ two years move two times a year moving forward. Um, and it's got to be frustrating for the rest of the division. You think a guy's getting traded away and you still got to play him twice. But what do you think about that whole kind of talking point? I think the the talking point is a little overblown. Um, jumping into Lions Twitter to kind of take some victory laps earlier today, there was a lot of people asking, or a lot of people very upset with the move from the Lions perspective um, and very upset with the, the fact that it was within the division. Now, if you're in a full-on rebuild and it's going to be five years, I, and I don't think it'll take the Lions that long to get back to – relevant for the Lions um but if if it's going to take that long you know five years from now a lot of things can change if if the best offer is from someone within the division that's the offer you should take now like you said I I think Quasey has set it up where you know by the time the draft rolls around in May next year I'm probably going to forget that the the second pick that the Lions have in the second round was from the Vikings until I get reminded of it on the telecast, but I'm not going to feel haunted by that. I forgot, and part of it's due to him not playing, but the Jamison Williams thing was was the originally the Vikings pick and a trade within the division and all that. So we'll see what happens. I think it's overblown, and I think the Vikings should come out on top. Um, he was the number eight pick in mm-hmm. in his draft. So if you're giving up a pick that is, you know, the 25th to the 32nd pick in the, the second round, you, you should be okay. And it was, I remember when he's coming out, cause it was like, when I think of tight end prospects, I always think of like Vernon Davis, who was so hyped up that year, the same year as Adrian, like, and I feel like it was that level as far as him. And I mean, for a tight end to go number eight, what did Kyle Pitts go? Like he was top 10 too. Right. So um, I think he's got all the tools and I mean, it's, you can't say he's been a disappointment so far. I think maybe a lot of it has to do with the lions and a lot of it has to do with uh, injury here or there. But I remember this is not maybe the best case, but I had him in fantasy, I think last year. And it was like, like to have this guy because he can really put up some big games and you feel like he's a, a target that um, is really hard to cover. And we've seen it against the Vikings at times in his career too. So I, yeah, I'm pretty pretty thrilled with the move and didn't expect something this good, like comparing this to Chase Claypool or Mike Gesicki or Brandon Cooks or something. Like, I think this is the ideal move for now and for the next, you know, four or five years as far as getting him extended and being able to to build around him, um, you know, in his his prime years too. Yeah, and you, you bring up Vernon Davis as, as so much hype. Kirk Cousins had a lot of success with, with Vernon Davis. So maybe, you know, a stretch the field, big body jump ball tight end is what what Kirk really enjoys um I know he threw a lot of jump balls one famously in the playoffs to, mm-hmm. to Kyle Rudolph and that was kind of his thing so I don't you're not going to see TJ Hawkinson reduced to the big body red zone threat but um he brings that to his game as well um and I and I think that'll be a big thing 
like think fast Kyle Rudolph. Like that's that's my hope and expectation. I think that would be um pretty amazing piece to to add to an offense, especially at this point of the season. So any final thoughts for this uh, emergency pod as we get ready? I think we've given plenty of of hype to the Vikings moving forward. So hopefully no letdown on Sunday. Absolutely. I think the the only things I would leave you with is, you know, fast Kyle Rudolph that should be able to break a tackle, um, which was a, a major pain point for Vikings fans with Kyle. Um, also, the, the things that surprised me, he is almost five. I can't remember how much taller than Irv, but but he's six, five and he has a faster 10 and 20 yard split than Irv. Oh my. Um, when you break down his athleticism. So, you know, if he can get 20 yards and then catch the ball, we'll figure it out after that. So I would say get Hawk the rock and skull. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thanks everyone for tuning in and we will see you on Sunday school. In situations like this, there's only two money guys on this team. Find them. All you have to do is wait on them. Find them. Man. 80, what you going to do today? I got my A game. You got your A game? Yes, sir. You got his A game.